Dr. Sherry, and I'm with Danielle today. And it's great to see you again. How do you guys know each other? So I'm Danielle. I'm a senior at Hofstra University. I'm an athletic training student, and I'm also a cheerleader. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, have you had any concussions? I've had a few concussions during my career. Um, my very first concussion was actually in high school. I was, I think, a sophomore in high school. Um, luckily, I recovered. It wasn't, any, wasn't anything too serious, very mild concussion. Um, and then when I eventually moved up to like the more competitive cheerleading, um, you know, it's already a high-risk sport to begin with, very underrated. And, um, you know, the, the small head bops here and there um, start to add up after a while. Or, you know, falling from a pyramid straight down to the ground, which of course happens sometimes, or on your way down, somebody's catching you and you end up getting an elbow to your head before you like end up on the ground. So it's a nice slow and controlled fall, but it is still a head injury. Um, I've had quite a few of those. Again, I'm a senior, so this is my fourth year on the team. And I've just started to notice that every time a small bump here or there, the headaches get longer, the... Um, the dizziness starts to last a little bit longer as opposed to, you know, just till the end of practice. Now it's, you know, two, three, four days of a, of a headache that I just can't seem to get rid of. Um, I become very tired and very sleepy and I just kind of would much rather be sleeping than sitting in, you know, a two-hour class, um, you know, listening to a lecture or PowerPoint for that long. Rough. Have you been formally uh, diagnosed or gone to a concussion center to be looked at? So my very first concussion back in high school, I was. I um, the protocol then was you know emergency room. I got looked at there, and you know I had passed all the neurological screenings. They had done um, some like imaging on it, and they said everything looks good. You know, still kind of sit out for the week. Again, I was only what 14 years old at the time, so of course they wanted to be as cautious as possible. And now, as I've kind of gone through my college career, um, I haven't gone to doctors as often because also being the athletic training student, I kind of have that knowledge of like what symptoms to be looking for, and I know what the mechanism of injury is. Um, so in a way, I'm kind of doing more of like a self-diagnosis. Um, so I haven't been formally diagnosed with a concussion lately, but I have noticed that I do get headaches. I've always had like a history of headaches and migraines, but I do notice that the headaches last longer. The migraines come and they're very like focal, focused on, you know, one side of my head or one eye or whatever it may be. So I definitely do think that the concussions or the small head injuries here and there have definitely, you know, started to take a toll on, um, on my uh, symptoms, symptoms to say. Would you be afraid that they might pull you out of uh, competition? Is that another reason why you might not go? I definitely think being an athlete for as long as I have been and also working with so many athletes that that is always a fear because you never know what the physician or even your athletic trainer is going to say, because at the end of the day, our health is number one, but we see it as our sport is number one and competing is number one. Um, you know, winning that championship game is, you know, our first priority. Sure. Whereas physicians and athletic trainers or even any sort of medical staff around us are able to see, 
your health is number one. Sure. Um, so I think just like being an athlete, that's always a fear that all of us have of, you know, we want to play and we want to participate in our sport, especially now going into senior year. You know, it's my last year of, you know, really ever doing cheerleading. So I definitely, I definitely do think that that definitely is a fear for all athletes. Do you um, pull yourself out of, of training and competitions when you have those symptoms and are you pulling yourself out longer? I, I personally haven't ever pulled myself up. Luckily, I don't get more of what I view as the more severe symptoms of like the vomiting or the um, not knowing where I am or, um, you know, kind of symptoms like that. But I do try and like take it slower during my practices and I kind of do that like on my own, like, you know, behind the, behind the scenes. And when I'm in my room, I'm definitely making sure that um, I'm resting, I'm staying off my phone, and I'm not watching as much TV, and I'm just trying to sleep and eat, especially. Like, nutrition has been, like, such an important role, I believe, in my concussions or, again, minor head injuries that I've um, sustained, mm -hmm. especially throughout the last four years. Um, because just being, like, the athletic training student, like, this is what we learn in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I'm able to apply that to myself, I definitely think that I'm lucky to have that knowledge because some athletes don't have that, especially if you're on an athletic team that doesn't have an athletic trainer or doesn't have that, you know, tight medical staff, whereas maybe a Division I um, sport would. Okay, so let's take a step back and just for everybody who's listening, um, competition cheer, is it? It's not really considered a sport yet. What are right. your feelings about that? What are my real feelings? Tell, right, yeah, yeah. Tell, yeah. Um, because, definitely, know, it's, it's very frustrating because people see us as, you know, we're waving our pom-poms and just looking pretty on the sidelines when that's really not it. There's so much time and dedication, the cliche saying of blood, sweat, and tears, literally blood, sweat, and tears that goes on to those blue mats for a two minute and 30 second routine that you perform um, at the collegiate level once a year down in nationals in January. Sure. So it's very frustrating when people don't see what actually happens behind those scenes, except they're only seeing, you know, these guys and girls on the sidelines that are all, you know, always picture perfect when that is definitely not the case because there is a lot of bloody noses and a lot of, you know, tears and just frustrations. And there are a lot of tosses now. Oh, People are tossing yeah. 25 feet into the yeah, air. Yeah, those basket tosses exactly. and pyramids. And again, every time I go up, I just hope that someone's at least slowing me down along the way. Right. Um, cheerleading is definitely evolving compared to what it has been. And it's just crazy that, you know, it's not viewed as this Division one sport or this competitive sport. It's just kind of like it's a hobby. Right. There's no even athletic trainers in, in a lot of places that are required to be sidelined for yeah. you, right? And yep. no necessarily ambulances, no emergency action plans, right? Yep. Yep. So that, that makes it, you know, frustrating and, and difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are, you know, obviously ambulances there in the event for, for the competitive football yep. playing. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously they would take care of you as well. But it's interesting that there's nothing that's assigned to that yep. particular sport. It always varies from like venue to venue depending on where you are, but I definitely do think that um, the medical staff being present would definitely assist in how to deal with those emergent situations. Sure. 
um, and emergent situations also being traumatic head injuries, not just, oh, you know, you have a broken bone and it's obvious that something is wrong. Or a neck injury. Exactly. Right? Yep. yep. When you're falling from 20 feet in the air. Exactly. Yeah, it's tough. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, as an athletic trainer, what would you like to see different? I definitely think we need to break the stigma that, you know, cheerleading isn't a sport. I mean, that's, that's step one in it. And if we can begin to make everybody else aware of what is actually happening and um, even maybe more studies on just like the cheerleading athletes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you always hear about concussion research on football players or these like high contact sports. Mm -hmm. But cheerleading is a, is a contact sport in a different way. It's a very individual sport, but it's also you have to perform as a team. And it's a contact sport because we're body to body, you're catching me from a pyramid, that's contact. Right. Um, so I definitely think that there's just like a lack of knowledge in the sport itself. So then it can't be really, it can't, like there's no medical staff that's gonna like take it seriously because people don't really know. First of all, first of all, some of us do, <laughs> okay? You were in my class and you know, I taught concussion. Right, right, very, yeah. Um, and I'm still very much a female advocate <laughs> in this. In fact, we, we're beginning to know that there are in fact gender differences. Yeah. And I'm now uh, currently starting a study or hopefully within a month or two and you're welcome to be involved. Awesome, with of course, yeah. University. Maybe we can expand it to Hofstra. We can talk to the powers that be about gender differences and in specifically about how the, the neck is mm -hmm. involved in terms of uh, differences in, in maybe play from yeah. women to men. Yep. And some of the early studies are very, very interesting. Yeah. So that, that would be something you Yeah, you know, that's so, that's so exciting, yeah, you know, and that would be like a great way to just like close out my cheerleading career. So I've been doing it for eight years. That's a long time. Yeah, that's and a long it's, time. yeah, and the, it just flies. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah, I can't <laughs> believe it either. You're making me feel really ancient. Um, question for you. Um, you had mentioned at the beginning that you know some athletes really don't still don't know about concussion and yet it's been in the news it's like the hot topic will smith wrote you know had that movie yep. come out concussion right the nfl lawsuits etc um you still finding athletes that you're treating that really are not um savvy about what concussion is and what the problems may be i i think so i again i think it really goes back to the i have to be tough and I have to maintain, um, you know, this hard exterior. I'm an athlete, I'm a fighter, I'm a player. But <clears throat> they don't want to admit when they actually are hurting or they don't want, they're scared again to be pulled out of play. Um, I really think it also goes back to the education. Like we could give so many seminars on what concussions are, but it's a matter of actually maybe taking the time to individualize each athlete and say like you know really sit down with them and go through like an, an extensive history of you know maybe diagnosed concussions or also explaining that every small head injury every you know elbow here knee there is just increasing your risk of you know sustaining a a harder um, rehab process when you do have that quote diagnosed concussion right. um, I, I definitely do think that as a, a, a rising healthcare professional, I think athletes do need to continue their education on concussions. And um, I think that can start with 
us physicians and athletic trainers that are working firsthand with these athletes because they can only hear it so many times like, oh, that'll never happen to me or it's not that bad. Yet there is research that shows that concussions aren't a joke. Right, exactly. A <laughs> I'm glad right, you're still four years. Up. Four years later, one thing I could take away is uh, concussions. <laughs> if you could take away one valuable thing about concussion and neck injury, I think that's. You amazing. need your brain. And, and you're being very <laughs> modest. You're one of the best there is. You need your brain. No, that's true. Um, so, do you think the coaches are still resistant? Are you? Do you get backlash from them at all? I do think coaches are, and I think that goes back to they can't see it. It's not. Um, like a bruise on their arm or a broken bone or a sprained ankle where they can actually see, oh, that doesn't look good. Um, the fact that you can't see what is going on inside of your head, um, as funny as that sounds, they're kind of like, oh, so-and-so is just faking it or you're not that bad. So that kind of puts the athletes in a position of, what does my coach think? My coach doesn't want to play me or maybe, maybe I'm not that bad. Um, I, so I definitely do think that education also needs to be had for the coaches in the fact of, you know, listen to your athletes in the sense. And maybe that's when the coaches have to kind of take a little bit of a step back and really hear out what their athletes and what the professionals, physicians, athletic trainers, um, any, anybody that's really going to be working with these athletes um, have to say and how they're feeling because it's not something that you could see with your own eyes sure. um, so I definitely think it's kind of like oh you're okay or how do we know you're not faking it right and as as we know right it's, it's not diagnosable on a CT scan or an MRI we're looking for bleeds or something right. else that's dangerous right, right? so it, it that doesn't even you know show up there some of the studies that we do in, in conjunction with functional MRI and blood testing and whatever now um, I know I'll, I'll do the responsive EEG that you said that you might have had mm -hmm. where you're getting a reaction time and things like that. And if you print out the pictures from that, sometimes I'll do that and I'll give it to a student. It's right. interesting that you say that and say, you know, this is what's wrong until this gets better, okay? Right. Then you can't play. And it's not clearly not the the only thing that we do. Mm -hmm. We do a whole battery and symptom tests and, right. you know, insomnia. We worry about the long-term sequelae and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but I find that the students, when they have that, something tangible, especially the younger kids. Um, I remember dealing with one 12-year-old, and the school nurse actually told him that your doctor doesn't know what she's doing. She's keeping you out too long. And he had had multiple concussions at a young age from, for a variety of reasons, and we were concerned enough. And he also saw a very good pediatric uh, neurologist mm -hmm. in, in Manhattan who concurred. Um, and, you know, we wanted to keep him out almost a year. And she's saying, your doctors don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You're fine. And at least this kid had the wherewithal to say, okay, have this paper. I went to two to good doctors, and my parents say that I'm going to listen to them. Right. You know, but so there's still some confusion within the medical profession at, at various levels. So I would imagine it's still confusing to coaches Absolutely. and everybody else. The other thing that you mentioned, which I thought was really important, is that there's concussion and then subconcussive blows. And the evidence is now suggesting that that repetitive subconcussive where you're not symptomatic can also be a long-term problem. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So that's an issue. I definitely think that that's what I deal with more are these, oh, I got an elbow to the head from being caught. Great, I got caught. My head didn't slam on the mat. 
Um, but at the same time, you just clocked me in the head with your elbow, and now I have a I have a migraine for you know two days. Okay. A little because there is a bruise there, a little right. bit because do I know what's actually going on inside my skull? Right. No. Right. That may in fact be a, 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 what we would classify as a low-grade concussion, right? yeah. where you're going to clear a little bit within a short yeah. period of time. But we're talking about people where they get clocked in the head a couple of times on physical exam, I'm not finding anything and you're not reporting anything right. to me. No right. headaches, no you know, dizziness or anything like that. Right. Or, you know, light sensitivity, mm -hmm. nausea, whatever the case may be, right? Memory loss for the for the issue, right. for the situation. So when that happens repetitively, that can also be a problem. Mm -hmm. and that's a whole other subset of yeah. study, you know, and it would be interesting, hopefully at some point if we could you know, get some some uh, data or some blood tests. Yeah, like absolutely, that, absolutely. And I think it's so amazing that people have like this. Hot, concussions have been around since basically mankind has been around. You know, everybody's always sure. been hitting their heads. But the fact that now there's so much research and data, and people have so much interest in um, these concussions. I, I think it's amazing and I can't even imagine what you know the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years are even going to hold on this topic and the research that's going to be done and you know maybe one day there will be imaging that will be able to diagnose this person has a concussion or there might be more of um, you know not so much only just symptom based more of like the functional how are they in a classroom put them in a lecture hall for two hours and see how their brain is actually processing during that you know they might feel okay but their brain might not actually be collecting like any of that information that's, you know, being thrown at them. So I, th I'm so excited. You know, you're right on the. I'm so excited to see what what this um, what this is going to hold for any any healthcare professional. Yeah, I think that'll be great. Yeah. <laughs>